You're listening to the Redeemer Theological Academy with Pastor Brian Cashelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. On the Redeemer Theological Academy, we mine the riches of the Scripture and the Church Fathers and find in them Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Here's the Academy with Pastor Cashelmeyer. Welcome back to the Redeemer Theological Academy. Now, we've begun talking about Jonah chapter 1. We left off at verse 14 last time. Let's kind of get a little bit of a review here. Remember, Jonah is fleeing from the presence of Yahweh. Uh, He's trying to hightail it out. And when we talk about the presence, we're talking about God's promised presence of pardon and peace that we have at the temple in Jerusalem. Of course, this points to the incarnation where the word becomes flesh and tabernacles amongst us, the second person of the Holy Trinity. So Jonah is fleeing from the presence of God. So Jonah has a great idea. He thinks that uh, his will should be done instead of the Lord's will. But we know in Jonah chapter 1 that only God's will is done. Of course, we know this throughout the whole scripture. We know that the Lord's will is done. And that's why we are taught to pray in the Lord's Prayer that our will would be changed to God's will. God's will is always best for us and always best for creation. Well, it was the Lord's will that Jonah would go to Nineveh, that he would walk, that he would travel, that he would journey to Nineveh. But Jonah, of course, doesn't want to do that. He wants to flee. But whatever Jonah wants to do, he will not be able to accomplish it. In fact, that's what we see with the mariners at the sea. (laughs) S-E-A, that is. The mariners try to row back to the dry land. But they can't. They can't do it. They're not able to do their will. So here we have both Jonah and the mariners, and they are unable to accomplish their wills. But God's will will be done. So let's go look again at Jonah chapter 14. The mariners, now we're talking about the sailors, who have now been converted to faith. We see this in chapter 1 verse 14. So, They called out to Yahweh. Now, when we say that they called out, this is this Hebrew verb, kara, which is the same verb that's used to preach. Like we said before, you either preach in the name of Yahweh to others, you call out, or you pray in the name of Yahweh to him. So you're praying or you're preaching in the name of Yahweh. You're calling out. This is a call. In fact, Jonah was supposed to call the people of Nineveh to faith. God called Noah to go proclaim this message, to preach the message, to sermonize the sermon, that he would be the one who proclaims the proclamation. But here, that same verbal action is being used for the sailors, the mariners. They are calling out in the name of Yahweh, to Yahweh, in faith. So they called out to Yahweh, and they said, 
please Yahweh, let us not perish on account of the soul of this man, and let not the innocent blood be held against us. For you, Yahweh, do as you desire. Now, last time we said, as you will. I mean, that's God's will. God's will is to be done. God desires. God pleases. You do as you will. You do as you desire. You do as you please. So here the mariners who are converted to faith, they understand that God's will will be done. Not their wills. Not the will of Jonah, but the will of God. But as we talked about last time, remember this understanding of the innocent blood. This goes back to the blood of Abel. When you had that blood crying out to God for help, for vengeance. So that first death, the first death of Abel by the hands of Cain, now comes before Yahweh, the God who made all things, the creator of all things, the one who made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. But now the sailors understand this. These mariners, they know that Yahweh is in control and they are praying, they are petitioning that he would not hold this innocent blood of Jonah against them, that the blood would cry out from the sea. The death of Jonah would be on their hands. And so this is a prayer of faith to Yahweh, understanding that they are doing what Jonah, as the mouthpiece of Yahweh, told them to do. That Jonah said, throw me in the sea. Now, in that picture of Jonah being sacrificed for the benefit of others, that they would not perish. Now, we see a picture here, a picture, of course, of Jesus, who is sacrificed for the benefit of others, namely all humanity, including the Gentiles, including the Jews, all Greeks and those sons of Abraham. All are paid for by Jesus and his blood. Of course, Jesus is innocent. His innocent blood is shed for our sins. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in Jonah being sent, we see a picture of Jonah being thrown overboard for the benefit of these individuals that they would not die and that his blood would not be held against them like that blood of Abel that cries out for vengeance? Well, we see a picture of something better, the blood of Jesus, that is better than the blood that was shed of innocent Abel. We see the blood that speaks a better word, a blood that speaks life. So now they lift up Jonah. So this is verse 15. And even this, we see this picture of Jesus being lifted up by humanity. And so they lifted up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. The sea ceased its rage. Now again, notice this verbal action here. It was Yahweh who had hurled the great wind. Then it was the mariners without faith before they were converted who were hurling their cargo into the sea. But now in faith, they're listening to the words of Jonah, the prophet, who stands before the face of Yahweh. And they are now hurling Jonah into the sea. And it worked. The sea 
ceased its rage. So Yahweh's the one who made all things. He created the heavens, the sea, and the dry land. Yahweh's the one who threw, who hurled that great wind, and a great storm took place. And the moving of the sea toward the sailors stopped because Yahweh put an end to it. And so the mariners now see this. <laughs> they see the sea, S-E-A, stopping. It's no longer raging. And so in verse 16, what's the response? Well, then the men feared Yahweh with a great fear. Previously, they had a fear, a great fear of their own impending death. Originally, when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, before the fall into sin, Adam and Eve had original righteousness. And in that original righteousness, there was no anxiety about the future. There was no fear of death. But once sin came in, when Satan slithered in and brought sin, which separates from God, who is life, the consciences of Adam and Eve were terrified when they heard the voice of Yahweh walking toward them in the midst of the day, in the cool of the day. And so they hid. They fled from the presence of Yahweh before his face. So again, with original righteousness, there was no fear of death. But now because of original sin, there is a fear of death in all humanity. And what the devil tries to do is keep us enslaved to this fear of death. And so when the conscience becomes terrified, it is alarmed because of impending death. And it tries to do one of two things, either flight or fight. You either fight against Yahweh or flight, and you flee to who? To the devil, to Satan, the one who should terrify us because he's the one who is wicked, who wants our death, the one who wants to destroy our faith. Satan is the one who wants to keep us away from Yahweh and live. He's a liar from the beginning. That's what Satan is, the father of lies. But yet after the fall into sin, all of humanity now has this condition, this original sin, this condition in which we fear death and we have an anxiety about the future. Well, these mariners had a, an anxiety about the future and they feared death. They had a great fear. But now they have a great fear in fearing Yahweh. Now, in the Old Testament, when we're talking about this fearing of Yahweh, this is synonymous with believing and trusting him. Let me explain. And we'll, we'll say this, of course, in our own English idiom when we say that's a God-fearing man. And what we mean is he is a believer in the true God. And when we're talking about fearing Yahweh, in this context here, this is synonymous with trusting in Yahweh. Trusting in the word of Yahweh, in the work of Yahweh. That Yahweh is the one who is the creator. He alone is holy. He alone is righteous. So therefore, you cannot stand before Yahweh in his presence based upon your own righteousness, your own active, achieved righteousness, your own merits, your own works, what you have done. 
the sailors tried to do something on their own accord. They tried to hurl the cargo overboard without the word of God. They tried to row back to the dry land, but they were unable. They were unsuccessful in accomplishing their will. They were unable to prevent the impending death. But now with God's prophet, now with the one who is a spokesman of God, who has been sent by God, the one who is there in their midst, who speaks this confession of faith that he fears Yahweh, the one who has made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. Now this understanding of one who is standing before the presence of Yahweh, as a God-fearer, Jonah himself, knows that he cannot stand before God's holy presence with his own righteousness. So Jonah, of course, is justified by faith. These mariners are likewise justified by faith. They are able to stand before Yahweh's presence because of the received passive righteousness of Yahweh. Yahweh does not count their trespasses against them. They are justified by faith alone. Now, again, to be justified is to be righteous in God's sight, not in your own eyes, but in the sight of God, before God. So we need to be clear here that the teaching of the doctrine of justification is not a Pauline thing. It's not something that's only found in the letters of Paul. It's not something that's only found in the New Testament scriptures. This is the constant, consistent teaching of the prophets and the apostles, going all the way back to the days of Adam and Eve, so that we stand before God's presence not based upon our own righteousness. Now, before, the mariners did not fear Yahweh, they had no fear of Yahweh. They had no need to be concerned of being before his face, before his presence, the God who is present everywhere. His presence is seen in the sea. Again, S-E-A. Now, notice that what they're doing is they're confessing their faith. Now, when we use the word confess, of course, we mean that you're saying the same thing. So you either could confess your sins because you are now recognizing your sins that Yahweh has brought to your attention. Your conscience is alarmed. And so you're saying the same thing. Yes, this is sin. I confess my sins. Or also you can confess your faith. You confess your faith in your Savior, Jesus. So the word of Yahweh reveals the only one who brings salvation. Yahweh, the one who delivers, the one who provides the dry land in the midst of the sea the deliverance, the rescuing of the sailors. So you confess your faith, and at the same time, you're confessing your sins. Now, the Holy Spirit gives us the written scriptures, the word of God, so that we know what to say. So, for example, in Psalm 130, just like what these repentant, believing sailors are now doing. In Psalm 130, we cry out in verse 1, out of the depths I call to you. Now, this is the same verb, the same Hebrew verb that's used, kara, to preach in the name of Yahweh or to pray to Yahweh in his name. 
So in Psalm 130, we say, Out of the depths I call to you, O Yahweh. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy, for favor. And so you, you cry out and you say, Yahweh, I call out to you. So you're calling out in the name of Yahweh, the one who delivers, the one who makes a way in the sea, giving you the dry land for safety. You cry out, Adonai, hear me, listen to my voice, hear my speaking, give attention, give your ears to what I'm saying. And so in that Psalm 130, this is this whole calling out, this praying in the name of Yahweh. So just like these mariners who are in a mess, they're calling out to Yahweh out of the depths, right? And this is what we do in our whole life when we cry out because we understand the gravity of our sin, that we have a mess that we have made, and we cry out to Yahweh for help. And it's in Psalm 130, here's where we say, if you, if you, O Yah, that of course is the shortened name of Yahweh. If you, O Yah, of course that's the shortened name of Yahweh, just like we have in Hallelujah, praise to Yah, praise to Yahweh. So if you, O Yah, would keep the guilt that I have, the iniquities of I, that you would keep a record of them, that you would count them, then you come back with, O Adonai, O Lord, who could stand? So this is a question of meditation and contemplation for the believer that one would pause and think about this, ponder that if Yahweh kept a record, if he marked, if he counted the iniquities, my own guilt, I could not stand. No one could stand. No, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So that's that question of meditation. We ask that question so that we can hold on to the answer, cling to the response. So in Psalm 130 at verse 4, you have this, but with you there is forgiveness. So who could stand? No one, not one. But you are a God who gives forgiveness. So in verse 4, notice that you come back with this response to the question. If you, O Yah, should keep iniquities, O Adonai, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Now see, this is that fear. Therefore you are feared. So this fear here is understood as a faith in Yahweh. A faith that if he kept a record, if he marked iniquity, if he was counting your trespasses against you, you could not stand in his presence. But you know that there is forgiveness because this is who he is. And he gives us his promise of forgiveness for the sake of Jesus Christ who saves us for our sins. The one who was crucified 
for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That now you know you can stand before Yahweh. You can stand. You have access to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. And so now you have this connection of this proper understanding of what we're talking about when we say fear. In this context, here. Therefore you are feared. Now you would think it would say something like this, but with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are believed. Or with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are trusted. But instead, it's very clear here that therefore you are feared. So we understand this fear of Yahweh as a fear of those who have faith. Those who know they cannot stand before a holy God based upon their own righteousness. They know that they are not right in God's sight. So this is the true fear of Yahweh, that you stand humbly before him as a gift, as a beggar, as one who receives his favor, the one who receives his mercy, not because you deserve it, not because you've done something to acquire it, not because you merit it, but because of his grace. It is a gift. And so here you have that understanding that there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Now, in Psalm 124, here's another passage that is given to us from the Holy Spirit to put the words of prayer and praise upon our lips, that we would give thanks to the Lord, that we would understand the identity that the Israelites have as they were delivered from the Red Sea. And so there's a commonality here between the deliverance in the Red Sea and Yahweh making the dry land and now the mariners at sea. And so look at Psalm 124. And so these same kind of words are used to teach us how to pray to Yahweh. So in Psalm 124, we are taught to pray and to say, if it had not been Yahweh who was on our side. This is what Israel is to say. If it had not been Yahweh who was on our side, when people rose up against us, they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Now, it's as if the sea is the angry. It's that the sea is moving against the sailors, the mariners. It's raging. It is now heading toward them. They have impending death. But you look again at Psalm 124, verse 4. It says, Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. And then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, the same kind of imagery the sailors have that's a commonality with the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are being taught over and over again about the Exodus, the, the God who delivers from the sea, the one who provides dry land a way in the sea. And so Israel is constantly reminded to pray in this way. And the sailors now, in a very similar way, are praying like this. And in fact, if you look at how that Psalm 124 ends, it says, Our help is in the name of Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Now, this is the confession that Jonah gives to these mariners, that he fears Yahweh, the one who has 
created all things. Now recall Jonah's confession of faith. He says, I am a Hebrew and I fear Yahweh, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. So now in Psalm 124, we're being taught to pray to Yahweh, the one who is our help, the one that we turn to in our time of need. Our help is in the name of Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Now in both Psalm 124 and Psalm 130, these are the Psalms of the ascent. That's the going up. <laughs> so there's a little bit of irony here. They're in the going up singing of the Israelites when they go up to the temple to draw before the promised presence of Yahweh at that place where they received the assurance of pardon and peace. And these are the Psalms of the ascent. These are the going up songs. Well, remember, Jonah's the one who didn't want to go up. He wanted to go down. Instead of ascend, he wanted to descend. And ironically, Jonah's the one who will descend even further into the sea. Now, in our Lutheran liturgy, we actually, we take these two Psalms of the Ascent and we splice them together in our divine service setting four. Whereas the Israelites would go up to the temple, they would ascend to the place of Yahweh's promised presence for pardon and peace with their identity as Israelites who had been delivered and they have that new identity in the waters of the Red Sea. Well, in the church, in the New Testament, as believers, we gather with our new identity in baptism. So we gather in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in our Lutheran liturgy, in the Lutheran service book, in divine service, setting four we have this confession at the beginning of our service when we're drawing near to the promised presence of Jesus. So we gather before his altar, before his table, and we say with Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then we splice that together with Psalm 130. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins. O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And so this is where we confess our sins. We gather before his promised presence in the sacrament of the altar, where we have the promise of the body and the blood of Jesus given to us for our life, our salvation, and for our forgiveness. When the Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel and gathers us around the word and sacraments, we are gathered before Jesus, the mediator of a New Testament, and to that sprinkling blood, that sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, the speaking blood, the blood that says, you are forgiven. We call out in the name of Jesus, for Jesus saves us from our sins. So we gather to give thanks. 
That's the sacrificial thanksgiving, the Eucharistic thanksgiving of praise. It is our response to the great things that God has done for us. So it is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. Now let's go back to the mariners in Jonah chapter 1 at verse 16. Then the men feared Yahweh with a great fear, and they sacrificed a sacrifice to Yahweh, and they vowed vows. That's that Eucharistic sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise for what the Lord has done for them. It is as if they are saying with us, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redeemer Theological Academy. For more episodes or to leave comments about this show, please visit our website, RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Again, that's RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Thanks for listening, and may our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, continue to be your life and salvation, your hope and your peace.